Let's do this. Let's do it. Podcast, an independent weekly show set out to bring you news, interesting topics and interviews with people mostly from Europe, building bridges and breaking down language barriers to show the world how active and awesome the sceptical movement is in the region. This is episode number 350. Uh, I'm Brian Ego, aka Eggman, and I'm joined as sort of always by Pontus Botman, Claire Klingerberg, Annika Harrison and Luna Harrison. All right, trips. Hey, hey, <laughs> I did. Hello. Good afternoon. <laughs> Hello. And Luna. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> first up, uh, in, in the absence of uh, a busy crowd and uh, and content and our glorious leader Andras, who couldn't be here. We are packing the show out with uh, low-budget gimmicks and a cute kid. So um, <laughs> cynical, if not, right? But this is, and I had official confirmation, the closing podcast of QED 2022, right? Um, so we're not necessarily the headliners, but so don't be fooled by those god-awful movie folks and the main stage and all that. This is, this is where it's at, ending out the podcast track, the punk rock podcast, people's favourites, apparently, so you guys can get on stage, jump off, don't do that, health and safety problems, etc, right? But it is episode 350, and we're nearly at a birthday as well, Pontus, right? Right, 350. So we planned this for seven years, to have this show to be a very round, good number. So 350 means we've been doing it almost seven years. The first episode was released on 18th of November 2015, so it's been a while. And of course, this is the episode that Andras decided he didn't want to come. So uh, he's no, quit the show. He's quit the show. No. Didn't want to come. No, we are so sorry that he's not here. He is at home, feeling very well. I'm glad to say, but that pesky second line keeps appearing on the test, so he couldn't come. We- I, I wouldn't say that he's feeling well, very well. I mean, of, with all the messages that we're getting, he's actually really pissed that he's out of here. <laughs> right, so he's healthy but pissed off, that's what we said. So yeah, instead of having Andras, we, we thought we'd bring in possibly the youngest podcaster in history, certainly the youngest podcaster to appear at QED. We've got little Luna there who's going to be sort of... Um, Evoking the, the the spirit of Andrash throughout the session, <laughs> unless she gets too noisy and Annika has to take her out. So let, let's see how that goes. That could happen. She, I think she wants us to to turn up her mic a bit so that people <laughs> yeah. hear her. There's there's some diva-esque tantrums going on, and they thought it was going to come from this side of the table, but, <laughs> but, but apparently not. Yeah. Okay. So we we do have a, a a busy show, but everybody enjoyed QDs so far. Yeah. Okay, good, good. It can only go 
temporarily down and then back up again from here, okay? See what I mean? Okay. Um, I think uh, she found the trebuchet that uh, was missing earlier today. Exactly, exactly. So um, we are having to deviate from our normal format in, in a number of ways, but um, we are going to kind of go in, into some of our regular items and we'll explain that as we go along. But I guess before we get started with that, we need to make sure, and for those of you that listen to the podcast, in between our segments, we have a sting, okay? That is the uh, podcasting terminology for a tiny, short little bit of music, okay? Um, we don't have that sting on us, but we are going to recreate it with the assistance of you, the wonderful QED audience, using the... Um, scientific medium of the kazoo okay now so we're going to get a, a, i guess a quick demonstration by pontus of our sting in kazoo format all right i haven't practiced this so i hope it goes well okay sounds familiar uh, it may sound familiar to some that was not bad okay? okay can we have a slightly patronizing round of applause for pontus there thank you thank you Cheers, okay so pass them out. I don't know if we've got enough for everybody because the audience is so large. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tammy, don't let anybody else in. I'm sure it'll be a health and safety violation. But okay. So last time when we were doing this kazoo thing, I got criticized that I cannot blow a kazoo correctly. So I have not improved my technique. So don't worry about not being able to blow it. I mean, we there's more people like you in here. So just do your best. <laughs> Cheap jokes about Claire's blowing abilities. I'm not going to go there, okay? <laughs> okay. So, are we ready for a practice round? Everybody, don your kazoos. Three, two, one. <laughs> the, the first rule okay. is not to let go of it yeah, while right. you blow. Okay. <laughs> what you didn't know actually is this this is Mike Hall asked us to do this. This is our, this is our new peak flow uh, placebo test, okay? Some of you have got real kazoos and some of you have got fake ones and there's a control group that don't have any, okay? Okay. We better get moving on, folks, in the interest of time. So we're gonna yep. move on to our first segment with Pontus Pokes the Pope. Here we go. Three, two, one. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> All right, so welcome to a very special edition of Pontus Pokes the Pope, uh, because this time I'm not going to talk about Frankie. We are traveling back through the centuries to the dark Middle Ages, when the church was young and wild and anything could happen. Uh, our story begins around the year 835, when a young lady, a German lady of English descent, disguised herself as a man in order to accompany her lover when he traveled to Athens and he was going there to study for the church because that's what you did in, back in those days. And we don't know his name, but the lady we think was called Agnes and she wasn't content with sitting at home in Mainz, I think that's where this, she came from. She wouldn't sit there and uh, so she, she went with him and she didn't want to sit at home in Athens either. So in order to accompany him, in class, if you will, she dressed up as a man and uh, nobody suspected a thing. And the thing is, she was a star pupil. She was best in class and she outshone all the others and nobody suspected a thing. We don't know exactly what happened to her man, but uh, Agnes was promoted and promoted again and then sent to Rome to uh, further her career within the church, still dressed as a man. And wouldn't you know it that after 
couple of years or maybe 10 years or so, she was elected cardinal. You know where this is, where this is going, right? <laughs> In 855, disaster struck. Uh, Pope Leo IV, who had so valiantly defeated the mighty Saracen fleet at the Battle of Ostia, I'm sure you remember all about that, in the year 849, he died. And uh, it was necessary to elect a new pope. And you know who? Pope Johanna, or as we now know her, Pope Joan, was elected, still posing as a man. And she took the official name Pope John VIII. And nobody suspected a thing. Uh, for two years, seven months and four days, she managed to keep the charade going. But then, during a procession uh, through the city of Rome, her horse, and I, I think she was on horseback at the time, maybe she was in a carriage, but anyway, she fell to the ground. And to the shock of people looking on looking, she gave birth to a baby boy. Obviously, this was a big scandal. And uh, the church was utterly humiliated and shocked over this fiasco. So they quickly erased all the traces of Pope John or Joan the, the, the Eighth from the records. And Leo IV in the official records are now su succeeded directly by Benedict III. Precautions was taken not to let this ever happen again. And the most hands-on measure, and it's a very carefully worded uh, description, <laughs> was that have all future popes during the election ceremony sit in a specific in a special chair called a sedia stercoraria. The special thing with that kind of chair is that it has a hole in the seat. We're all sitting on one now actually. Yes. Yeah. So <laughs> for people at home, I'm now showing how that works, but you have to imagine it. So you imagine the, the new elected pope sitting on this chair with a hole in the bottom, bottom, and uh, <laughs> There was a specific cardinal elected to do uh, the investigation. And what you did, you stuck in your hand from the side to see if things were in order. And if this uh, uh, cardinal's uh, trembling hand found what was needed, he would utter the phrase, Duos habet et bene pendentes. <laughs> Which, of course, you all not Latin nerds know, means hung like a... No. <laughs> <laughs> almost, almost. Your, your Latin is good. It says, very, word for word, it says, two he has and they hung well. <laughs> right? So you may think I'm making all this up, but these sedias ter coraria existed. They had more than one of them. And more than one is still not on display, but they exist in the Vatican although I'm told they're no longer used. So uh, Frankie managed to, to um, <laughs> avoid that humiliation. So that's the story. Pontus has poked the Popes. And I bet none of you will forget the story of Pope Joan. However, I must now confess that I owe you an apology to uh, paraphrase, um, everyone in this room is now more stupid because what I've just said. <laughs> because this is all a myth. But it is an actual myth, as a real myth, if you will, because this was taken as the truth in the Catholic Church for many hundreds of years. It was first mentioned in 1250, around 1250, and since then it was incorporated in all the official stories and history books. And there, e there were even an a contemporary illustration from 1644 showing the election of Innocent X, 
showing how he's being examined in this sedia uh, stercoraria. However, we should remember that it's not a photography. Even though the picture is contemporary, it may not be absolutely truthful. But the, the, the chairs do exist, and the, the people are still debating why they actually are designed as they are. So, um, so it's, an, it's an interesting story, I think. It, it, it shows you that myths and, uh, I guess, conspiracy theories have always existed. And uh, it, is, uh, it wasn't until the Enlightenment when people started to think, maybe we should go back to primary records, not just repeating whatever, everything that every other historian has written over the years. And now you, it is fairly well established that there was no time for an extra pope between Leo IV and Benedict III. So it's probably, and there are other reasons to believe that this is just a myth. Aww. Okay, so let's move on. Kazoos, please. Three, two, one. <laughs> okay, so the more loyal of our listeners, I'm sure many of you are out there, I would have noticed we didn't do this week in Skeptical History, which we usually do at the top of the show. But we've actually just switched things around a little bit and just, again, tweaked the title. Um, we're going for This Week in Confectionery History. Now, last time we did this podcast, we had some confectionery. We also got the shocking revelation that Deborah Hyde's eaten badger before. Disappointingly not beaver, but... Um, <laughs> Who says no? We, we brought confectionery last time. We've done it again. We brought booze the last time. We learned from our mistake. We haven't done that this time. Okay, so um, each of us has brought some confectionery from their home country. So who wants to start? Claire, maybe? Annika seems busy. What have you got, Claire? <laughs> <laughs> okay, for the people at home now, Claire is stacking the table full wow. of... Uh, Boxes here. Today's okay, show so is sponsored I... by uh, type 2 diabetes. <laughs> <laughs> so I brought the Madlenka. The reason why I brought it, it's okay, so it's like little chocolate balls. I, I, if I would have known that story, I would have chosen something else. <laughs> so uh, these little chocolate balls are filled with honey, and uh, it's one of the first treats that were started, that were made after the revolution. There was an Arme Armenian man who came to Czech Republic in 1995, and he started making these, and he has managed to grow his company to export them all over the world, but these are uh, a kind of a mix of Armenian and Czech type of desserts, and I thought it would be a nice cross-cultural thing to show you. There are uh, 10 in each box, that's why I have so many boxes, so there should not be any nuts, but it says there are there could be traces of walnuts, so if you have a walnut allergy, please be careful. Right, okay. Can, can you just pronounce it again very slowly so we can follow? Mar len Marlenka. Marlenka. All right. Okay. Can, can we have our official distributor start handing some out, please? Come on, stop taking Could I ask you, Tom? Yeah. Okay. No. okay. Uh, Annika, are you yes. able to? Okay. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, so I brought. <laughs> okay, so. I brought um, Lebkuchen Rittersport Schokolade. <laughs> so of course. That's gingerbread chocolate. It's only one bar, so there might not be enough for everyone, but I'll, we could still try to turn it around. And then I brought Haribo. <laughs> so, um, we have some Haribo fans. fans in the audience. Yes. Yeah, okay. And of course, very German editions. Luna's very happy about that. And that is sweet pretzels and Almdudler. Almdudler is uh, something 
that has to do with the Alps. So be excited <laughs> for that. And then of course, also some Halloween lollies. Very good. Wow. So I also brought tongs. <laughs> so if you need them because you don't want to touch like everything that is in the bag, you can use them. You can only use that anymore because Luna licked that one. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so awesome o over to my Scottish flavour here. So, I did also bring a child with me to, to QED, but she's in the creche at the moment. But 2018, when we did the live show here in 2018, you know, uh, that was when I officially publicly announced that my wife was pregnant with little Ivy. So, it's, it's great to be back here. But between then and now, as well as having a child, we've also had a very unwanted growth in the family as well. Uh, my, my dear wife Laura was diagnosed with breast cancer about a year and a half ago. With the help of our amazing doctors and other staff at NHS, she is officially kicking the ass of cancer right now. Um, but thank Science you very rules. much. Yeah, thank you. Um, but she's been doing a little bit of fundraising and stuff, and we've got here some Scottish whiskey tablet for you. What is tablet? Basically a heart attack, uh, okay? <laughs> in, in capsule format, okay? We've got condensed milk, butter, and all the sugar in the world, and you form a lovely little crystallized substance here, right? So this is like what Walter White does with meth, my wife has been doing with, uh, with tablet for you guys. Little bit of whiskey in here as well, not enough to get you drunk, okay? Oh, I know, sorry. You can top up your levels from last night. So I've got, we've got loads of bags of this. Now, Laura has been doing some fundraising, right? Um, but her current fundraiser's closed. But if you feel in any way inclined, please throw some money in the direction of the cancer charity of your choice, okay? All right, here we go. Pass also, by the way, if you want seconds, there's still some yes. left, so and, please. And we also have the <laughs> Swedish thing, which is, uh, I, I, some people didn't like, enjoy what I brought last time. I think you liked them, Deborah, didn't you? Yes, yes. But this is much more standard. Uh, chocolate with uh, soft toffee in the middle. I bought them because they're very Swedish and they are called <laughs> so, please, here you go. Okay, come on, distribution uh, executive. <laughs> okay. Like they're thinking now, if we would have known that we're going to get a job, we wouldn't come here. <laughs> <laughs> okay, everybody, so feast yourselves. Try and keep the wrapping, the wrapping noise down. Uh, the, the tablet's like double sealed though, so you might need to attack it with a knife or a pair of scissors. Okay, folks. Take a break from your confectionery, don your kazoos. Here we go, let's move on to the next segment. One, two, three. All right, great, yeah. So, um, we are, yeah, blow the big end, okay? Um, so what, what we're doing here, uh, again, we're, we're mixing things up a little bit because it's QED and because we've got a slightly weird um, um, lineup, right? So we're mushing together a couple of segments, usually, We've got a segment called Really Right or Really Wrong. Most of the time it's really wrong. And we also do news items from around Europe as well. So what we're gonna do is we're smash cutting the two of those together. And we've created an exciting phenomenon that we're gonna try here today. And it's called the Eurovision Wrong Contest, okay? <laughs> I know, low budget joke, okay. Um, so essentially what we're gonna do is each of us is going to give you a really wrong news story from our country, and then at the end of it, you or get a, or a European country, 
Oh, oh okay. <laughs> All right. I tried to be very, uh, oh, we'll get to it. I tried to be more patriotic and chose Scotland, but that's fine if you want to go a wandering, right? Um, obviously, we've got Luna here representing Andras, so she's going to be doing, she's going to be doing She's hungry. under the table. Okay. So, essentially, it's a new segment, but what I want you to do, and, and again, Deborah, take a couple of these, pass them around. There's a QR code there or like a slido.com link with a number, and you can log in uh, on your phones. We're going to ask you to vote at the end of these five segments to what was the most wrong segment, okay? The winner gets absolutely nothing because essentially that makes him the biggest loser, right? Um, <laughs> Although I did bring this very lame blue, ESP blue, key rings. <laughs> oh, ooh, mm -hmm. ooh, So okay. the, the winner go. from Rask might, might win one of those. <laughs> so, you know, we're, we're throwing some rules into this as well. It's four minutes maximum of us blabbing on this. Less if you can, please, folks, just to keep us on time. And we're going to randomise it as well to make sure that, you know, there's no order of preference here. So I'm going to run round to Deborah. Deborah, pick one of these, uh, please, and tell us who it is. This is Annika. Okay. Okay. Oh, it's an Annika story. Go ahead, Annika. <laughs> okay. So, you might heard about my new story before if you're a regular listener of our show, but it was just too wrong not to take today. I want to call it the Riceburger Gate. <laughs> so, people who already know what that is, please bear with me. So, at the beginning of this month, a 75-year-old lady got arrested because she actually was showing a terror threat. And now you were wondering, like, what's this 75-year-old woman doing? Well, she wanted to abduct German Health Minister Karl Lauterbach. Those of, who, of you who don't know him, he's pretty progressive for a health minister. He's against homeopathy. He's pretty much a skeptic, although he doesn't call himself that. So they wanted to abduct him. Um, and they also wanted to attack the German electricity system to create a blackout and destabilize the democracy in Germany. With that, they were trying to create a civil war in Germany and to abolish the democracy to call back the German Empire, German Reich of 1871. Yeah, <laughs> as if that's not bad enough, this group is a right-wing group and it was administratively led by this uh, before-mentioned 75-year-old who is a retired, have a guess, but could it, what could she have been? A teacher. <laughs> So, wonderful. She lost her pension funds because she made anti-constitutional statements before, as she should. Not the mentioning, but the <laughs> losing of the pension funds. And she also organized weapons, explosives and other things for the group and hired new members. So what does this have to do with the Reisberger, you might wonder? Well, this is what Andros and Pontus and me called it because they were like, what is a Reichsburger? What is like a burger with rice? What, what does it mean? Well, it's not, sadly, it's not food, <laughs> but it's, um, it goes back to a movement in Germany called Empire Citizen Movement. Empire is Reich, Citizen is Burger, and that's where you got, come from. And they want to go back to the German Empire of 1871. And these people reject the legitimacy of the modern German state. They also reject our borders. A bit cringy. <laughs> and they're very far-right and anti-Semitic. They're not centrally organized, luckily, so far. But they're getting there. And they're often violent, classified as dangerous, and frankly, they're very ridiculous and absurd. 
So, in that regard, let's hope that the empire does not strike back. Okay, thank you, Annika. Can you give us the time? Okay, let's move to the next one. Yes, here's the next one. It is Edmund. Oh, all right, okay, precious. <laughs> Let me reset my timer. I'm definitely not going to be as quick as that. Here we go. Okay, let's see. Hopefully this is working all right. There we go. So, uh, my story, again, I could have won this easily, right, since I'm in the UK, just by pointing in the vague direction of Downing Street and going, Bleh. And <laughs> dropping my microphone, but I thought, no, let's pick something Scottish specific, okay? So, this story, uh, again, quick content warning, it does contain information about assisted dying, euthanasia, and suicide. If that is uh, traumatic to anybody, then please escape now if you can. Um, so, the headline comes from Crux, which I'm sure you all know, it's taking the Catholic pulse. The headline is Scottish Archbishop, euthanasia pushes message that some lives aren't worth living. So we've already had Pontus poking the Pope, we've now got Brian bashing the bishop. So, <laughs> this week, a new bill to legalise assisted dying won the right to be considered in Scotland's Parliament, but legislators must keep the door firmly closed, says Jamie Gillis. And he's quoting Archbishop Leo Cushley of St Andrews in Edinburgh. I'm sure you're all familiar with him. Uh, he said that, that the term assisted dying was misleading. Critics say the bill risks undermining the provision of palliative care for the dying and undermining efforts to prevent suicide. Now that is technically true. That is what critics say. doesn't make it true, but it's certainly what the critics say. In a letter to the faithful on Sunday, Archbishop said uh, that the term was misleading and it's really a form of euthanasia that would allow a doctor or medical professional to help someone commit suicide. If this law is passed, it will further erode how our country and our society values human life, which has already been grievously undermined by legal abortion, he wrote. So that's already problematic. And trying to conflate the idea between euthanasia and assisted dying is, is inappropriate, right? Saying it's the same thing. Example, if you go to a restaurant and a waiter brings you food, that is assisted eating. If the waiter puts a feeding tube down your throat and starts pouring in the soil and green, that is the culinary equivalent of euthanasia, right? So here's the thing, like, if, if I was unable to eat, I'd be quite happy for the waiter to come and feed me. Maybe yeah. not with the tube, maybe just with the standard choo-choo method, right? Which I'm sure you're all familiar with, right? Next quote. Those who advocate euthanasia often portray it as a purely personal choice, which should be a private matter between individuals and doctors. But the truth is, our decisions are never wholly private. And that is true. Like, we do live in a society, right? You'll be shocked to hear. Um, so it isn't just a personal choice. And we'll find out, if I don't run over time, there are other things to consider other than your own feelings. Our attitudes to life at its very beginnings and then will inevitably shape how we approach life at every stage in between. And this will shape what sort of society we build together. Again, this is true, but not the way he thinks it is. Now, during the public consultation that was held on the bill, over 14,000 people responded, the highest number ever for a private member's bill in the Scottish yeah. Parliament, with the vast majority supporting the measure, right? Now, we're all aware of the argument from popularity and how that's not always the best thing. But what we can learn here, though, is the talk of, like, slippery slope arguments that you tend to hear only account 
if you if you think that it's wrong, right? No two people in this room, whether you're for or against assisted dying, are going to have exactly the same idea about the, the checks and balances that we need to have for that. So I would describe it not as a slippery slope. Me personally, I describe it, I would describe it as of a hill, which we want to climb towards a more humane world for us and for our friends. So I'll have to stop right now because I'm out of time. If you want to hear my stats, then fair enough, I'll talk to them later on. But quick reminder, last thing, everybody here in the UK already has assistance, access to assisted dying if they can afford the 10 grand to head off to Dignitas and do it. So if you're poor, then you don't. If you're well off, you do, okay? You also have to be a member of Dignitas to do that. Uh, it's like joining the gym in January and only going once. Uh, so, <laughs> so um, for trying to tell us a little bit more uh, what we should and shouldn't be doing with our bodies, the really wrong from Scotland goes once again to the Catholic Church. Okay, thank you. Next up. So professional, Deborah. Right. thank you. Okay, the next one is coming up right now. Yes, it's Pontus. Oh, right. Yay. Okay, so I'm going to continue the theme from Pontus Pokes to Popes and Brian Bashes the Bishop. I am going to Pontus Pokes Putin's Patriarch. Patriarch. So I'm going to talk, of course, about Kirill. Kirill is the Patriarch of Moscow and all Rus, for some reason. Not Rus, Russia. It's for all Rus. He's also the primate of the Russian Orthodox Church. So I always like that. Uh, head primate. The primate yeah. yes. <laughs> and as you probably know, his rhetoric is getting closer and closer to real madness. A couple of weeks ago, he stated that dying in Ukraine, quote, washes away all sins. So he wants to, it's basically a jihad he's calling for, a holy war towards Ukraine. Last week, he said that Russia has a special mission of helping mankind to push back the apocalyptic end of the world. And he said this, that this is in the epoch of globalization, which is apparently the worst thing you could have, and it's blurring the lines between good and evil. The future of human civilization will largely depend on how firmly we stand in truth. So he is a guy uh, very much dividing things into black and white. And uh, we could well cite Obi-Wan Kenobi at this point. Only a Sith deals in absolutes. Yeah. <laughs> Final quote, and this is almost, well, I'll, I'll let you judge. Quote, and as long as our fatherland is an island of freedom, the rest of the world will also have some hope for the opportunity to change the course of history and prevent a global apocalyptic end. End quote. So that's spoken by a true primate of the religion of, quote, loving thy neighbor. Okay. Yes, so it is. So, uh, it's only two left. Only now, two left. So the tension is coming. Yeah. This is down to the last two. And here we have Claire. Yay! Yay! <laughs> <laughs> So I'm going to continue with actually Anika's theme, and that's the theme of um, this vision of a great nation. So as you know, I'm from the Czech Republic, and just a quick history lesson. We were under the Soviet rule from so after the Second World War till 1989. We didn't uh, divorce ourselves from, Czechoslovak uh, from the Slovaks. 
hey over there, uh, in 1993. But in 1977, uh, this document was called, which was called the Charter 77. And it was a document that was signed by intellectuals, artists, uh, influential pe people in the society who stood against communism and who stood against the communist regime. Lots of people, of course, got into a lot of trouble. They got arrested. They uh, they got kicked out of their jobs. And um, for us, it's seen as a very big act of bravery that these people went out and signed this document. So now we uh, came. Uh, there was a group of people now who came up with Charter 2020, and they came up with it in 2022. And um, I was reading through it because I heard, oh, about how con controversial it is or that I, uh, the person who created it is a very controversial figure. So it has 20 points and I was reading through it and I was thinking, oh, so far it's not bad. Okay, they want to stay in Europe. That's, you know, in the European Union, that's okay. They want to stay in NATO. What's the problem? So I was reading, reading, and then I got to point 18, and I realized, ah, there we go. So <laughs> uh, the point 18 says that uh, it is the priority of the Charter to return of Christian spiritual values to society as they are the only true wealth of Europe and the cornerstone of society in general and with the inclusion of empathy into the school curricula. So the last point actually doesn't sound strange, that bad. And I went back and read through the whole charter again, and I was looking at the language that they use. And if you're just reading it quickly, it sounds really good because it, it's about erasing the divide we have amongst each other, cooperating, being, you know, friendly. There, but then there's also a talk of borders and of, you know, maintaining our borders. And I was thinking, who is changing our borders? <laughs> no, no one is changing our borders. And then uh, I looked more into the personality of the guy who wrote it, who has been spouting a lot of COVID uh, misinformation and a lot of pro-Russian content. So this whole document seems very strange because he, uh, in the document, he does talk about saying part of the EU and saying part of NATO, which is the complete opposite of the views that he would normally share. So to me, it's such a clever disguise of, of a way to get information from a lot of people, which you can then go and radicalize a bit further by having a document that on first glance actually sounds really, really good. If you, you know, don't look at it too closely, this weird brand of nationalism is getting more and more sophisticated. It's not long and how smartly written it is. There were no grammar mistakes in it either, which is also something you would normally expect. <laughs> so they are just getting so better at camouflaging themselves as civil, rational people that it's we just have to be more and more careful about where what petitions we sign and who we uh, think that we agree with. So that the Charter 2020 abusing uh, the history of, of uh, Charter 77 and everything that I have just mentioned for me is very wrong. And last, but very much not least, we have Luna. Luna, yeah. So okay. Luna is representing Andras in Hungary, and it wouldn't be an ESP episode if we didn't have a rant about Viktor Orban. So we might, we might have to turn around slightly. So um, Luna, could you eloquently and in great detail give us, tell us anything good that Viktor Orban has done in the last week? Okay. And okay. the lack of response is an answer on itself, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I think she nailed it. Let's hear it for Luna. Okay. 
All right, so get your get your phones out, folks. Hopefully, you've managed to get the Slido poll up and running, and I can see the results of it. I want you to go and vote for which uh, person's story was the most wrong. Uh, the poll is open now. Hopefully, okay. Some results starting to come in. And if you've voted and you don't know what to do, you can also come and get another chocolate ball. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you can. Well, 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 we can't reward people for voting. That's, <laughs> that's not me. That, I mean, look, anybody's allowed to vote, right? You don't have to register. We're not going to be asking you for ID, okay? But there shouldn't be incentives for voting people, okay? Oh, we're just offering it. We've 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 got a deadlock. We've got a de come on, right? Somebody else. We Oh, we still got a deadlock. Oh my goodness. So, uh, Annika's out of the game. Eggman is out of the game. Luna's out of the game. Luna's lowest score. Okay. Okay. Sorry, Andras. Uh, Luna's not represented you well. Oh, okay. So, it looks like the wrongest item this week was from. Ooh, still moving. Oh! Still moving. Oh! We've got it. Right. Okay. <laughs> Raise anybody? We um, should have that on the screen, Phil. <laughs> yeah, we're we're neck and neck between Claire and Pontus. Okay, so we're going to have to go to our independent adjudicator, which we discussed this great in advance earlier on. Plan for exactly this scenario. <laughs> Tammy, who wins, Claire or Pontus? Uh, do you want a chocolate ball? <laughs> <laughs> okay, Claire's the winner. Let's hear it. wonderful keychain. Oh, thank you. I want ah. to thank my family and God and everyone else. <laughs> we, should, we could have asked for like a recount. There's a big lie. Conspiracy theory starting already from Luna. Oh, okay. Ah, all right. I'm tired after all that. Okay. One more segment to go, folks. Get your kazoos at the ready. Here we go. Three, two, one. Okay. <laughs> By the way, I'm sure that these fantastic uh, trinkets will catch you like maybe uh, two pounds in 50 years because there will be rarities. Uh, yeah, exactly. Where, yes. ESP. From the 350th episode. Yeah, ESP branded uh, kazoos. Okay, so yeah, we always finish our show with a quote and we're going to do the same again today. Um, very cleverly though, we have uh, Claire Klingenberg scoring extra skeptic points has been harvesting lovely little sound, bite, sound bites throughout QED so far. And uh, They're on my Twitter in case you want to check it out. It's uh, Claire Accended, A-C-C-E-N-D-I-T. And there's a list of all kinds of quotes from speakers this weekend. There you go. Okay, um, but we picked our favourite. Annika, over to you. <laughs> you can yes. get your mic back on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Here we go. Yeah. Do you want to do the quote with me? Mama. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> quote okay. of the week is Mama. <laughs> <laughs> it is. <laughs> so, our quote this week is by Rachel, and I don't know her uh, second name. Schreer. Schreer. Yeah, Rachel Schreer. I you were going to say you couldn't pronounce it, and I'm like, come on. <laughs> so, Rachel Schreer, who gave a talk on Saturday morning and also received the Occam Award 2022 as part of her group of uh, the BBC Misinformation Unit, which is awesome in itself. And now she's also part... Yes. <laughs> Got some misinformation right there. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> now she's also part of this show because she gave us this quote, and the quote is 
it's not only about giving the correct information, but to alert them to misinformation and disinformation floating around. Yeah, right. <laughs> good, good. And let's have a round of applause for Rachel as well. She was awesome yesterday, right? <laughs> okay. All right. Well done. We are finishing earlier, right? Which We're is more time for chit chat it. and confectionery. So uh, <laughs> I, I get I didn't even get to use the horn. That was in case anybody ran over time. This is the horn of David, by the way. If anybody wants to come and uh, give David's horn a little pinch, then uh, can, uh, I just want to point out that uh, Brian was cheating because we were not supposed to bring any booze, and then he brought them, sneaked them into the candy. <laughs> just to run, just to win over the crowd and the candy, which we know, and it's probably boiled all of it. It's fine, okay? But look, you that's know, actually not true. When you boil alcohol, still three percent remains. Fact, fact, fact. Okay, yeah. These are actually breathalysers as well, so we'll be testing you all on the way out to make sure you're fit to operate heavy machinery. Okay, so that brings us to the end of the show. I guess uh, we'll see our usual goodbyes. Get up, it! Oh, hey, do! Cheers! That's kind Alright, thanks everybody! Thank you, Kiki!